still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Oh, and he was absolutely knocked back into that tweet by Atwood. David Atwood has got titanium in his shoulders at the moment. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes magnificently on the outside. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug. We are a weekly rugby podcast by the fans for the fans and every week we'll be gathered around the microphones plugging the boys in blue, black and white. First off, I'm going to apologise for the awful audio quality that you again have to be put through for the next hour or so. Um, we've had an absolute nightmare uh, and we've basically our, our, our audio interface is broken down but we're moving on from that. And uh, we've got Gabriel down the line, and uh, Tom's here with me, back in Bath. Tom, how are you doing? Yeah, good, yeah. Good to be here in person. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a rollercoaster of emotions uh, on Saturday, but uh, yeah, it's good to be back together in Bath. And Gabriel, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm right. You know what the worst thing about um, not being 18 anymore is, and growing up? What's that? It's two-day hangovers. What are they about? Well, I was had a few beers to celebrate on Saturday night. Well, I celebrate, I don't know, all drama, sorry, so where you look at it. Still feeling rough this morning, but I'm powering on through the podcast. Um, and yeah, I'll be back with you in Bath in a couple of weeks, so looking forward to it. Well, it's lucky all our listeners don't have to see you because you don't look like you don't look pretty <laughs> size. Um, but uh, it's been it's been an absolutely fantastic weekend of rugby. I'm sure we can all agree uh, upon that. What what a fantastic sport! I mean, what a sport! <laughs> Yeah, it's been an absolute rollercoaster. What was it? Fifty-four tries in in the four games over the uh, over the weekend. Um, it's been really really exciting. Some would say, uh, some purists would say, actually too many points scored. Um, but it was certainly you can see some of the teams are starting to knit together um, and some of the attacking rugby that, that we've 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 grown used to seeing in the Premiership starting to to come to fruition. So that's really good to see. Yeah. So we saw. Another West Country derby in action. There was uh, Bath against the Cherry and Whites, Gloucester, who came to visit the wreck. Absolutely thrilling game. Uh, but unfortunately, for me, it was almost quite anticlimactic in the way that uh, it was a 31-all draw. Um, how, how, how are we all feeling after this? Gabriel, what are your reactions? Yeah, what do they say? It's like, uh, it's like kissing your sister, isn't it, a draw? <laughs> um, I'm not sure it's quite that bad, given that we were 21 nil down just before half time. So but, ex- explain that. That's what they say, isn't it? Yeah, it's like kissing your sister. Oh, right. Isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like to put that on record that none of us here have kissed our sisters. <laughs> uh, but... no, I thought that was a hard expression. Um, but yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it? Oh, 31 all. Um, absolutely roller coaster of emotions, as you mentioned, Charlie. And it was difficult coming to the end, and you thought I, it was impossible to know how to feel, given that we've been so far behind, and then got ahead, and then we can claw back again. And to make it even more of a, of a roller coaster of emotions, the guy that the guy that was the one to claw it back for Gloucester was, of course, Matt Banahan. So yeah, oh. incredible, incredible um, entertainment for two hours, and and the game before that as well, the Gloucester game was also um, an incredibly entertaining game. Yeah, I so, thought, yeah, it was a brilliant Saturday of rugby. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, my my overwhelming reaction was probably relief. Actually, 
Um, I'd almost written the game off. What was it? Half an hour, 35 minutes into the game when we were 21-0 down. I thought, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to make of the Bristol game uh, last week. Obviously, first game of the season. I just thought, oh, this is this is probably not going to be as good a season as, as, we'd, as we'd hoped for. Um, and actually, when Gloucester scored at the end, well, I was disappointed not to pick up the five points. We still did pick up three points from that match. Um, so ultimately, it's almost as good as sort of scraping a victory without a bonus point try. Um, so yeah yeah I mean I, I certainly called you at half time Charlie if you remember um, you're missing tears behind the dumps about past about past season and about how I'm going to have to come on this podcast for the next, four, for the next season and talk for 45 minutes about another defeat so yeah if you look at it that way then I was probably um, more relieved that we got back we got back in the game but looking back on the game um, in a bit more depth I think I, was, I don't think we were that bad in the first half. I just think they were so clinical, and Tipperani was um, was actually on fire. And they yeah. just every chance they got, every time they got near our line, they took it. And obviously, twenty-one nil just before half time. It looks like a, a terrible performance, but I don't think it was that bad. A couple, to, well, obviously, two or three defensive lapses, but then. And like we weren't great in attack, but I think overall it was it was a reasonably even game. They just took their chances a lot better than us in that first half. Charlie, would you go along with that? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree on the whole with everything you've just said, but. Um... I actually drew quite a few similarities between that first half and the first half against Bristol um, in the way we we wasted our opportunities, but it was it was all Bath. It was all Bath. We we looked. I I sent a message to you guys saying. Um, this is good, this is good, about 10 minutes in, because it was all Bath attack, we were spreading some balls wide, we were, you know, we had Cochrane Seagulls popping up uh, off the wings, we were making some good carries up the middle, and it was it was looking looking really exciting, and I thought I thought this could be, you know, I, I, I was being very, very confident, um, but we didn't manage to convert those opportunities, there was a couple of knock balls, I mean, Garvey dropped that sitter, uh, it just kept them thwarting our momentum, Um it's very much like the Bristol game, uh, and then it was it was responded with with Gloucester um, taking every single opportunity they got. I think they had four visits to the twenty two in uh, four visits to the twenty two in the first thirty minutes or something, and scored three tries. And yeah, I actually look at the stats during the game, and I think it was about half an hour in, and and they'd uh, visited the twenty two four times and scored twenty one points. We visited their twenty two exactly the same number of times, four times, and we hadn't scored a point. Um, so obviously that point about take opportunities is something that, that will hopefully sort of will hopefully get better and, and it was better in the second half. The other thing that I I I sort of picked up as a particular negative, and you know I'm sure we're going to sort of talk about this probably through the season, is sort of the defensive frailties that we showed. Um, I think the defensive sort of weaknesses in the Bristol match were very much as a result of sort of the disjointed nature of the defence, particularly sort of in the midfield, um, which is understandable in a way. But I thought against, against Gloucester, um, sort of the defence, sort of in the in the shorter channels, um, wasn't quite as good. Um, so to, to return to the stats um, again, we, we missed thirty-seven tackles um, in the Gloucester match. So we went from having the best tackle rate out of any team in the Premiership in the first round 37. to having one of the lowest. Yeah, seventy-nine percent tackle rate, which really isn't good enough. You know, Dave Atwood, Shocking. Dave Atwood missing five tackles, Tom done three as well. Players that. You just don't expect it from. So uh, I think that's a worry, but um, it's always with defence. Uh, you know, it is a mental game. So hopefully, 
Um, hopefully that'll be that'll be remedied, remedied this week in in training. Yeah, there was that Atwood. I did know Danny falling off falling off that tackle for the for the Brayley try, um, which was quite disappointing. You know, hoping for the likes of last Dave Atwood, he'd be you know smashing him back. He's a little scrum half. Hopefully, he'd be smashing him back about five meters. Gabriel, we got anything? Yeah, and also just one like Willison also also missed four tackles in the midfield. I feel like midfield they they had a lot of luck there. But then the key moment, obviously, as at one end, um, a burger van was burning. Burns was putting in Rocket Aguni at the other end, and that was the key moment. I well, I certainly think you know a quite, that time the stroke of half time. If it had gone in 21, 21 zip, it would have been a lot harder for us to come back. But that you kind of you felt like the momentum almost changed and, and we came out half and then Dunny scored that one right on the on the other side of, of half time. Yeah. Off the other off the overthrown line out. And that and then it was twenty one fourteen all of a sudden and the game was the game was anyone's. Um, and, and the momentum certainly sw- switched in our favour. Um, so yeah, I don't know what, what, what that. is that is that how you saw what else what else did what, what did you change the game or do you think it was just that try? Well I think as yeah so on on, on, on your point I think it was fantastic. Um, it was a fantastic momentum swing, getting that try just before half time. And I, I liked to see as well as all the Gloucester boys running back into the change room. All of the Bath lads were all in a big, where they grouped in the middle of the pitch, and you could see. Um, I think Stuart Hooper came on, was giving them a, was you know, was properly grilling them, and it was you know, you could see, you could see the spirit. There was no rebuilding after that, after that try. We obviously then came out straight, straight, straight out of the blocks um, in the second half. Um, but uh, it was it, we just seemed to change change our intent as well in the in the second half. Um, we were actually trying to run the ball out of the twenty two sometimes. Uh, actually, we, we were looking like we wanted to play some proper rugby. Yeah, I, I think one of the key moments as well. I think mean, when Cipriani was sort of prevalent in the game, they looked really really dangerous. And, and you know, you talk about Willison and Roberts missing tackles, looking disjointed. One man who is really going to exploit any sort of disjointedness in in defence is Danny Cipriani. You know, you saw the grubber kick through. You saw the little ball he gave um, to to, to Ruan Ackerman, who, by the way, I thought had a really really good game. Um, obviously, he went off for the HIA. I think that was in the twenty third minute of the game, um, and he was a little bit absent, to be honest, until that last couple of minutes um, when he threw that ridiculous miss pass to to um, Jason Woodward. Um, so. Whereas I think it was it was you know it's positive from us that we were able to seize the opportunity. I do think that we were fortunate that uh, Cipriani wasn't able to continue his, his dominance um, throughout the whole of the first half. Yeah, and one point I've made um, I made two boys in the summer, and one thing that I would completely stand by on the basis of this game is that if you switch the tens, we're winning that game comfortably. Cipriani is just exactly the sort of player we're needing to unleash the back line. And I know we'll come on to some Twitter comments and Twitter questions later, but I'm really, really not impressed with the two performances of 10 from Bar. I thought Priestman was poor in the first week. I thought Burns was equally as bad this week. No, I think that's harsh. Yeah. I just think there's any creativity and he's not getting the best out what? Okay. Uh, the centres and if you switch the tens, we win that game by 20-25 points I honestly believe that Cipriani's just when they get into the 22 he's orchestrating absolutely everything wherever he wants people 12 trees taking the ball taking the ball when he wants it he gets it and he delivers Burns I just think he doesn't. he's not controlling the game well enough and he's not creating enough and I know I said that I wanted to, to stick with one of the tens and I firmly still believe we need to stick with one of them but I don't know what he's going to do well, I don't know what Todd's going to do for, for the Queen's game because 
That's another point performance from France. And he also pulled up France. So whether he's fit or not, I don't know. You boys shaking your heads. Do you don't agree with that? Yeah, I think you're being really, really harsh. I actually thought the Burns um, created a lot in attack. Um, uh, he, well, he... You're the one who was just saying burning one end burns the other, and uh, and him setting up Rocket Guni in the corner. Uh, he was he was he was putting some lovely his passing his passing was unbelievable. I thought I was seriously impressed. He was putting in his double miss passes, um, uh, and you know he he, he created a, quite a few opportunities. I thought, and he, he there was a noticeable difference. I thought when Priestley came on. Um, if you got two points made on Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I probably wouldn't go as far as to say he had a, he had a fantastic game. Um, but, you know, with, 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 with Burns, like sort of Ford um, and, like, and like Cipriani, obviously they're confidence players. I think it was chalk and cheese in that match between when Burns was on the pitch and when Priestley was on the pitch. Yeah. Um, and I really think that, in my mind, it sort of settled the argument. I would, I would like to see Freddie Burns play. And, importantly, I think, I would like to see someone... Probably even Max Green, but I would like to see someone who can give him quick balls, as, as Max Green was able to able to do. I think in a couple of games, if he gets his confidence up, um, he could be a real threat. Yeah, so I'll just I'll turn to Twitter. There's Twitter like questions now about this. And we got uh, thanks for getting in touch to uh, people that did. One from Tom Cheville, she- she- Cheville. He says, "Got a quality, get a quality ten? Question mark. Neither inspire me. Both have genius moments and far too inconsistent. And neither looks capable of running the kind of attack needed in the Prem. It's not like the. It's not like these it's guys. That's a, that's a, a, a con- con- convenient tweet for you to uh, for you to pick up. <laughs> <on> this one. <laughs> you boys doing much Twitter action, so I'll use the ones I want. Thank you. No, I, I, they're not world class tens. I mean." Prieston is supposed to have been a is supposed to have been an international. That I've I mentioned in previous podcasts that I've never really, really you know, enjoyed the way he plays uh, very much. I I thought that the way Burns was playing was it was bringing in our, our wingers. He brought Cochranesiga into the game. He, he we we brought in some fantastic breaks. He was putting balls out the back. It was it was actually it was actually it, sh- it showed intent to actually want to play. He wasn't just Kicking aimlessly down the pitch, you know, he could have improved some of his kicks out of hand, but um, yeah, I, I think I think it's harsh to lump all of the blame he's on, one game. on on the fly half, uh, particularly when it's his first game of the season. For our probably, you know, our, our attack wasn't as potent as as it probably could have been. I mean, Charlie, you spoke in the pre-season pod about you know the playbook of dreams that uh, apparently um, Gervin Dempsey's got, and yeah. particularly off first phase, um, we've not really seen any potency in attack um, which is disappointing but equally um, I do think that that side of the game does suffer when you do have Jamie Roberts at 12 um, and so you know uh, it is a bit of a trade-off but um, no I, I, I've been quite encouraged with Freddie Burns and, and I'd really like to see them stick with him uh, for the Quinns game next week I agree Right, that's, that probably moves us on quite nicely then to other other player performances that we wanted to highlight. Um, we'll start with maybe some negative ones. Um, who who do you think had a poor game, Charlie? Who would you, you single out to not having their best game? Well, uh, Garvey went off quite early, so that was uh, that was all right. Um, to get <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> he was injured. Yeah, well, has anyone, anyone, heard, has anyone heard if he's if he's sort of injured or if he's going to be back? It looked, I think it was a dead leg, so um, I th- hope hopefully it'll be okay. But um, it didn't it didn't look that comfortable. But um, no, hopefully, hopefully he'll be back. He'll be back soon. And uh, no, he's he's a captain. Uh, he leads 
leads uh, the squad well. I'm not not sure whether he needs to lead them on the pitch, but he certainly during the week he's uh, clearly a you know a good character to have around the camp. Um, now I thought people who played badly. I, d- I don't really want to be too negative. Uh, but if Falatau had a very quiet game, yeah. um, I would have liked to have seen more from him. Uh, especially when we know, I think he made one one kind of engaging run, uh, which he then offloaded to uh, offloaded to, to Rocket Gooney down the flank. But that's about all I remember him doing. Uh, but um, yeah, I thought I thought Falatau looked really out of sorts. Like, how many times have you seen Falatau go to pick the ball up from the scrum? I know it came off. Uh, one of the second row sort of feet but you know dropping off the base on really good attacking position um, with a solid scrum that is pretty criminal um, but we know how good Falato is so we know um, he's allowed to, he's allowed to have an off game the other person that we've spoken about a lot and we've given a lot of praise to I actually think had a relatively poor game was was Dave Atwood yeah um, his tackling wasn't good he, he stood off a couple of tackles as we said also, the reverse penalty when he got in a scuffle with, oh. with Fraser Barmain. That's, that's so... We're all... It, it was pathetic. You, I mean, you, the ref needs to yeah. grow up there, in my opinion. It's a West Country derby. Uh, he, he gave someone a slap on the arse for not rolling away. Then they you know, grabbed each other by the collars and that was it. There was nothing... Nothing needed to be reversed there. I thought, I thought that was... But it's that just, was poor it's just pointless. There's no, there's no need to do that. Um, and, and to reverse penalty. That was the first opportunity we had to put points on the board. Um... And, and, you know, reverse penalty middle of the pitch and that's drawn down into the 22. Um, you, you, oh yeah, you, you just can't get away with that. But, um, yeah, what about you, G? Do you think anyone had a particularly poor game? No, I think you boys have touched on that. It's so like, difficult to, um, to, to, to pin down some, some of the poor performances given how we finished. It's kind of, in my mind, it's all like positive performances in that second half. I'm struggling to think back to the first half. Um, I don't know... Yeah, just, just just to try and get the last negative, or well, all these last negatives out of the way, and we can be positive. But uh, there was a lot, you know, going back to Atwood. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to point the finger whether it's it's the the second rows or the hooker. But there was far too many lineouts stolen again. We again, and those were some moments that were just thwarting that momentum that we were when we just starting to build up, getting into an attacking position, and then we just have a lineup stolen, which. Um, uh, drove me a bit mad, so I, I really want to sort that out because if you can't if you can't have some more you know, uh, consistency at set piece, then you're never going to be able to build on your momentum. Gee, can, can I can I just ask you? Um, we've spoken about um, one of the halfbacks, you know, as our resident uh, scrum half. Although uh, you'll probably need to lose about twenty kilos before you <laughs> before you squeeze into the nine shirt again for old Sulians. Um, what did you, what did you uh, what did you think of um, Max Green's performance at nine? Yeah, I was very impressed with him, with him mate. Um, I was actually going to come on to him when we spoke about the good performances, so it's a nice segue from me there. Um, I, was, I was really happy when I saw him named in the starting 15, given that Fotterby and Charlie are both yet to um, yet to have match fitness. I was thinking it was quite good for us to have a look at have a look at him from 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 the start. And what I was most impressed with him was the way he controlled the game and the way he controlled his forwards. I think like he didn't he didn't go into a shell in any way. He was bossing him around. He's obviously got some good experience being under twenty. Um, and yeah, I was really impressed with the way he did that. Um, 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 he needs to improve. Um, but yeah, yeah it, was not- a, it was a good start. And I was also um, reasonably impressed with Cook off the bench. I was just thinking actually maybe that was maybe that's a better role for Cook given that 
I sometimes feel like from the start, Cook can uh, lose his way a bit. And yet, coming off the bench, I feel like he did add a bit of impetus uh, to our attack. I'd agree with that. I think. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Cook off the bench, he makes more of an impact because he's he's such a fast, uh, such a fast, exciting player. Then uh, it can actually bring something when the game starts to open up a bit. Um, but otherwise, you know, I I think that Max Green had, it, had a good game. That the, his little chip over the top to to Rocco was was fantastic. Um, he did have that that kick which was going out, um, but Rocco somehow managed to smack it back in. I was definitely like, I was yeah. definitely out. Yeah, but I, I, I don't I don't really like that that law anyway. So <laughs> I think it, it, it needs to it needs to hit the ground. And that's what that's what uh, I'd, I'd prefer it that way. Um, but. Uh, um, it would be nice to see him making a couple more, you know, perhaps some uh, sniping runs, which didn't didn't really see him do. But uh, otherwise, I think all in all, it was it was, it was a good game. Can, can I pick out someone who I thought had his best game in a Bath shirt, and who I thought was the stand-up player for Bath by, by sort of head and shoulders? And that, that, that's Sam Underhill. Yes. Um, I was I was a bit critical of Sam Underhill against Bristol. I thought he'd lost some of his sort of um, you know his impact in defence. Um, and it's clear that he's definitely tried to sort of change the way he plays, probably both as a result of sort of what he's been told by Eddie Jones and also because, you know, the way he defends isn't really sustainable in terms of injuries and his, and his long-term career. But, uh, yeah, I thought Underhill was 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 absolutely insane. Um, you know, t- turning the ball over, his his hands have improved so much. He was offloading, he was he was carrying, he looked he's really natural ball on hand. Um, I was really, really impressed. And and I know, I know this is a Bath Rugby podcast, but... Um, I just wanted also to mention one of my favourite players in the Premiership, and that's Jake Pelledri. Um, came on with half an hour to go, and I mean Gloucester have got some back row, um, but the fact he's not starting, he beat eight defenders in half an hour. He looked untackleable. Jake Pelledri is one for the future. Um, I'm a bit gutted that England didn't cap him uh, now that Italy have, uh, have picked him up. But uh, yeah, what, what did you guys make of uh, make of Sam Underhill? Yeah, Underhill was very good. Uh, as you say, he's he's not just he's not just a, a, a defensive machine um, as he has been over. Well, that's how I kind of viewed him last season. But uh, on defence, his his uh, Underhill and Stooks double hit on Ed Slater was absolutely magnificent. Huge. It was. Oh, it, it really got me going. I literally jumped out of my seat like a little boy. I was like, <laughs> loved it. Um, but um, uh, he, he was just his, his work rate was fantastic. Uh, and you know, after that hit as well, him him just getting up straight away, getting the turnover. Yeah, you know, it's fantastic. But uh, really, really impressed all round by Sam Underhill. Gabriel. Yeah, so I went from one week praising one one big winger we've got and then I think this week I'm going to praise the other one I thought Semester Rocket Gooney had a, an excellent game for Bath um, I mean that, that moment when he like a salmon leaped up and <laughs> caught that ball above uh, above the Gloucester player who was being lifted above Gloucester um, yeah it's yeah. incredible yeah it was a really um, it was a, a crowd riser one of those moments where um, we're on the attack inside the 22 and the crowd right behind us also, as you mentioned, that thing to to save the um, the kick from Green, which um, may or may not have already gone out, but and he was popping up all over the field, which we mentioned last week, I think, that we, we wanted to see him do more of, um, and he was popping up a lot more. Um, oh, I don't know about so I think that. that was good, and I think he was. Um, I think he's on his way back, um, regaining a bit of that match sharpness, um, a bit of that match match fitness, um, and yeah, I think. 
be um, he had a strong game and expect expect him to build throughout the season. I would say. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree that Rocco had a fantastic game, um, but. I I don't think he was necessarily popping up much off his wing. He seems a bit pinned to that touchline, um, and that's why I think you know going back to Burns, I think Burns was actually able to bring him into the game more, which is why we saw more of of, of Rocco this week um, rather than against Bristol when he was completely anonymous. Um, yeah, and the other one I'll just say is um, friend of the podcast Elliot Stook going over in the corner for the for the fourth try. Happy birthday, big man! Twenty five today. Oh, happy um, birthday. Go yeah, well, halfway to 50. Um, yeah, and sw- sliding across to the other wing, uh, what did we think of Big Joe's performance? Because I personally, I thought I thought it was good, but I I want to see him finish uh, some more of these opportunities that he's had. You know, where we, it, it Ultimately, it was all right. Um, it didn't matter when uh, when he he got he got bundled out into the touch by Danny Cipriani, um, which he should have really finished. When you're a, when you're a hundred and hundred and twelve key uh, hundred and twelve kilos, um, uh, and you've got five meters of space against a little a little number ten, you should really be getting over the line. But uh, Tom Dunn did did catch the overthrown line out. But I, I don't know. What do you think? I would like to see him. Yeah, showing properly this potential. Yeah, oh, Rocket Gooney and and and, and Cock and Seager, as we've spoken about, are quite similar players. Obviously, very very athletic, very powerful, and often those players aren't gonna have consistently good games week on week. Um, but the reality, reality of it is, often to score a couple of tries and to take the game away from 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 the opposition, you only need one of them to to sort of pluck some of these magic moments out of the air. I thought Cock and Seager was solid. Um, you know, yeah, se- yeah, seven, seventy meters made. Uh, he made a clean break, offloads as well. Um, he wasn't everywhere, and he wasn't as impressive as he was in in the Bristol game. But um, I think he's betting into the side quite nicely. Uh, he didn't he didn't get the ball that much, but um, we, we should definitely be, be be sticking with him on the wing. Yeah. Uh, do we have any other? Gee, I was wondering, do we have any other any other tweets? Um, yeah. So just to wrap this um, little segment up, I would say. Um, a question from Matt Keane, who asks, given that we've had two really big derbies and not gotten the results we should have, how's your prediction for our finishing spot come end of season changed at all? Charlie, has it changed? Come on, were you at third, didn't you? Yeah, I did, I did stick with third. Um, you know, it's a, it's a long season. Um, we've improved... No, we've improved since uh, since the opening rounds, and hopefully we can go on next week and improve. But we'll get onto that later. Um, we should have like a, a noise when you sort of do a player cliche. I think. Of what? <laughs> it's, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a long season. It is. It is a long season, though. Uh, I, I don't. Well, did you boys agree or what? Um, I you know I think that weekend when we did the preseason pod, we were all quite optimistic about our our chances. Um, however, I still am. You know, ultimately we've got four points in the first two games. We've said that that Bristol game could be a potential banana skin. We've also said don't judge the season until you're at least a few games into the season. I think we're starting to show signs, and particularly in that second half, of of that we could be a really powerful team. You know, the style of play that we're going for is sort of bullying um, teams up front, um, winning the winning the collisions both in in midfield and up front. Um, for me, having watched the first two games of the season um, and, and, and trying to understand the, the style of play that Blackadder wants us to play, the signing of Roberts um, and Cock and Asiga, those kind of boys, is starting to make uh, a lot more sense. Um, so I'm, I'm still optimistic, actually, and, and hopefully uh, against Quinn's uh, 
your second team or is it your first team, uh, Charlie? Will uh, will start to pull all these 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 things together. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll decide depending on how those teams play because neither's playing very well. Uh, Gabriel, what are your thoughts? No, I still believe, boys. I still believe I'm not going anywhere near my cash out and my bet apart to win the grand final in April. Um, yeah, a few a few early bumps in the road, lads, but um, we'll come good. We'll come good. Don't you worry, Matt. We will come good. Anything? Any other comments um, you boys have uh, about the game, about the weekend's game? I'll just, I'll just make one comment about a position group that we've not really spoken about, um, and that's the front row. Um, oh, yes. We were critical of of Jack Water, Walker, sorry, and I think rightly so in the, in the Bristol game because I think he, he did go missing a bit. Tom Dunn, obviously, two tries. His defence probably wasn't as good uh, as, it, as it could have been. He's come out and said he was disappointed, but I think it was it was, it was a vast improvement um, at Hooker. Um, and I, I was really impressed with both Nathan Cat and Henry Thomas. Um, I think that they are starting to get match fit as a result of playing. Um, I think they both struggled uh, with the fitness aspect of things against Bristol, um, but I thought they both they both looked looked impressive and and the scrums looking really solid. Um, Jacques Van Ruin we saw come off the bench um, for the first time. Um, he was very over eager, um, and you know you, you don't know what you don't know what, what his fitness is like and, and how much preseason he's done. Um, he well, he's did a whole season with the Lions. Yeah, yeah. Should be he should be fit, but I'm not he, sure. He looked to struggle in the scrum. Um, I think he was on the loose head side um, and you know there's talk of him being able to play both sides um, that performance at loose head in the scrum there's no way that he'll be playing tight head anytime soon uh, in my view but uh, so I don't think that versatility aspects of it's there but yeah, let's uh, see let's see how over eager uh, he was but I would definitely agree otherwise with you know, uh, Nathan Carr especially I thought he was fantastic there was one moment where he he looked. He looked like he could have been wearing Danny Cipriani's shirt. He did a little loop around, flung a flung a uh, oh, yes. ten fifteen meter pass out to Cody Seager. I think it was unbelievable. Pass. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just need to just need to put a zero next to that one, and uh, maybe maybe that'll solve our number ten issues. Oh, I'm just praying. I'm just <laughs> I'm just praying that those front row boys stay fit. Yeah, because that that dangerous. is that the style of play that we're going for. As we said, it's so important to have a strong front row. Yeah, um, big but, bolstering. But anyway, sorry. Enough about enough about the fat boys. Carry on. One one point I would like to make. We didn't. I didn't make it during the uh, the the number ten chat. Um, but seeing he's mentioning uh, Nathan Cat as a possible number ten, Priestland's missing of touch. It's he does it so much, and it drives me absolutely mental. It, it's it's criminal. Um, when he. We we had a scrum in our twenty two pass back and he should be sticking that ball into row Z and just building from there. Instead, he tries to bite off more than he can chew. He sticks it down Woodward's neck, who runs it back. You know, it was an unbelievable piece of skill, uh, but just uh, stepped about four or five players and runs it all back to our five meter line. Um, and I've seen it far too many times from Priestland. Um, and it's just, I just wanted to make that it's more of a rant than anything. But uh, should we move on to the uh, sort yeah. of the other uh, West Country uh, derby? I guess um, you know Bath United against against Exeter Braves. Um, gee, I think you've uh, you've had a look at this, haven't you? Um, I, I didn't manage to catch it. I know they are showing um, sort of the A League games um, now. So uh, yeah, gee, gee, what did you make of that? Yeah, so obviously lost last week to. Um... Bristol A, I think they call themselves, up against Exeter Braves this week. Found ourselves 31 zip down at half time. Did recover, but still lost 50 points to 25. Um, 
So yeah, pretty disappointing actually. Two two defeats in that competition, and given that we're putting out reasonably strong teams um, in both in both those games, um, it is slightly disappointing. But then um, it is it's it's the A League, and you know obviously you can't read too much into it. Um, so yeah, I don't think we, do we want to comment any any further on that. No, not really. It's nice to see um, Josh Bayless getting some game time as captain, some experience as, as captain, because I think, you know, in a stack back row, he's someone who, who really impressed towards the back end of, of, of last season. Um, yeah, and your boy, Miles Reed as well. Yeah, yeah, in the six. back row, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to see that. Other bits of news from the week then, lads, uh, Bath-related news. Um, first one, we're talking about the back row there. Uh, Zach Mercer signed on for another three years. Um, that's all, all good news. Excellent, yeah, excellent news. Um, he's the exact type of player we want to keep at the club. He's a young, young lad with plenty of potential. He's already playing in the first team. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> he's got a big future. Yeah. He's got a big future ahead of him. Yeah. The next one. <laughs> lad we want to keep at the club. He just really contemplates. Yeah. Uh, but it was really interesting to see his interview as well. You know, he's a bit of a um, he's a bit of an eccentric sort of individual, particularly when you hear him hear him interviewed. Um, uh, he's, yeah, he, 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 you know, and he said that he couldn't see himself at any other club. Um, and I know everyone sort of says that, but it, it did seem like it was it was heartfelt. So um, you know, he signed off two more years. Um, he's getting better and better every year, and you know that's not a cliche, but he, he really is. He's, he's bringing a new aspect to his game. Um, he's developing a new aspect to his game every season. So um, hoping for a, a really long career at at, at Bath. Uh, and then the other addition, um, almost as if the club listened to last week's podcast, and my rant actually, someone was listening to it, but I think it was on Monday, um, on Wednesday, we announced yeah. Byron Field um, coming in as head of medical and rehabilitation, um, who had a pretty similar job at the uh, Rumbies, um, obviously in Australia at Super Rugby. Um, I'll just... My only um, issue with this would be, why is he coming in now after one game of the season? Why was he there from, from the start of pre-season? Um, given that one of his main roles seems to be injury prevention. Because um, <laughs> of, of, of the, the three so, yeah, calf strains, isn't it? In, um, let's hope he does a good job. All you, do, all, you, all you do is moan about this. You see that seeing the bad and everything, it's a, it's a really good move for the club. Any other clubs in the league got... Uh, have brought in a specialist for, for this kind of thing. Um, to be honest, the answer is we don't. The answer is we don't know, and it is all a bit cloak and dagger and and um, all this injury stuff, which, as we've said, um, isn't really helpful as a fan. But um, it can only be a positive, so it's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that's it's quite hard to gauge gauge the success of it. Uh, if we have more injuries, they'll be hanging him out to dry. If we don't, then he won't be really getting praise for keeping people fit. I'll praise him. You're oh, crazy. crazy. I'm going to be tracking go. this guy's progress throughout his contract and part. And, and this is a move to the other point you were making last week on your on on your rant, which was that now someone is definitely accountable for this. And you know, um, we it's not all about laying the blame at different people's door, but um, they brought someone in for this very role, injury prevention and rehab, and um, hopefully this season's better than last season. 
Yeah, so he's obviously come in from Australia. And now let's turn our attention to the Southern, southern Hemisphere. Nice little segue. Nice As segue. we talk about the... Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, again, doing the round world in 60 seconds. I'm going to time myself this time so that um, I know exactly what I'm doing. And it's going to be a rugby championship special because I watched both those games, so it makes it easy for me. Um, so I'll just get up a little timer and then we'll get going. Fantastic. Um, whenever you ready. Okay. Ready? So, Saturday morning was an absolutely brilliant morning of rugby. Um, two fantastic games. The second of which I'll start with. Um, and Australia came, over, came up against South Africa 23-18. Two pretty poor teams, I thought, um, trying to find their feet. Um, Australia without Pocock, Falau and Locke, Adam Coleman. But the impact of Tanya Tupo, the reserve tight head, really made the difference. Uh, less of the difference was made by Francois Lowe, who came off the bench for Safka um, and didn't really add much. This eases the pressure on Michael Checker and puts more pressure on his counterpart, Razzy Erasmus. Um, and the other game was absolute cracker. And New Zealand did come up 46-24. They scored two late tries, as they always seem to do. But Argentina back three, counter-attacking. Romero Rochano looked absolutely electric. And Argentina are peaking at what seems to be exactly the right time as they come up in the group of death with England and France at the World Cup in Japan next year. Done. One minute. Fantastic. Good work. Very good. I mean, the only other news to, you know, we won't talk about that to mention that came out, what was it? Uh, on, on Sunday um, was the Matteo Bastereau, um sort of like clothesline um, oh you've seen stupid. that stupid uh, it's stupid uh, how people think you can get away with that now with cameras at every angle uh, he'll get sighted well he's been oh, sighted he's, he's been, been sighted, red yeah. yeah he's going to be he'll have a lengthy ban he'll be a significant ban for that uh, yeah definitely no place for that yeah so turning a bit closer to him then um, a little look around the premiership um, which game? Which games did you see um, over the weekend, Charlie or Tom? Whoever wants to take that. Well, um, I saw the extended highlights of the Bristol Saracens game, um, and I'll start with that just because it feels a little bit good that um, you know all the Bristol Bears fans have sort of been been brought back down to earth a little bit. Saying that though, they were you know they were ahead. Uh, I think it was eighteen thirteen um, at the break. Alapasi Leua scored uh, two more tries to add to his his tally obviously scored against us last weekend. Um, and then obviously the turning point of the match, which I don't know if you boys have seen, was the George Smith uh, red card. Um, yeah, very harsh in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, isn't it? And, and we know we're not going to speak about this now, but um, it's one of those when letter of the law, um, shoulder to the head. Um, I you know, it was. It, it was. It was. It was shoulder to the head. He rose up. He, he basically mistimed his tackle. He, he sprung up too early. Um, made sh- shoulder made contact with with um, Saracens players head um, and you know the referee's got no choice um, we, you know there's no doubt about that that was a red card um, but whether or not that that, that should be the, that should be the case um, is up to debate and then after that Saracens sort of went on a bit of a try spree Liam Williams um, returning from injury scored a, a second half hat trick uh, he didn't have to do much for, for those tries mind um, but yeah Saracens uh you know, clinical as ever. So, uh, yeah, uh, the table at the top is starting to, to, to take shape already. Saracens and Exeter on, on 10 points apiece. Yeah, the table at the top and two of those teams that probably will be at the top at the end of the season was Exeter's the game that I saw on Sun, on Saturday before the Bath game. Uh, it was another really insane game. Uh, Lima, Sopoang and Brad Shields both 
are featured for for Wasp. But it just seemed to me it was a bit of a, one of those ding dong battles, try try try. But good teams always come out on top of those high scoring ding dong battles. And an extra, um, although it pains me to say, it, are a good team, and they just they they're in that they've got that habit of winning. Um, and that, that's to me what it came down to. Teams that know how to win those big games um, often do win those big games. Yeah, they um, looked they looked uh, very very sharp, especially to even to even deny uh, Wasps a losing bonus point at home. It's uh, it's quite harsh after such a such a closely fought game. Um, otherwise, uh, there was Leicester in action uh, against Newcastle. Uh, quite a humbling experience for Newcastle, I think. Uh, Bonus point was uh, was scored by Manatulangi. Uh, I think twenty three minutes into the game, which is uh, almost equals the record for fastest uh, bonus point uh, in the Prem. Uh, George Ford looked like like a man, like an, like a possessed man. He was absolutely on fire. Um, shame not to see him in a bath shirt, but we won't get nostalgic. Um, uh, Newcastle look. Look like top four may have just been uh, an opportunistic uh, result off the back of some underperforming teams last season, but we'll see. We'll see how uh, how the season folds out. They're still yet to have a win. Um, yeah, and then talking about two underperforming teams to say I watched the game on on Sunday wasn't uh, wasn't exactly a classic. Um, both teams are pretty poor. Cool. Uh, the only thing of note here was the. Um, the absolute chaos at the breakdown, which was led by JP Doyle. Um, but apart from that, the game had no real talk, talking points in um, in my mind. Uh, and then the game that we'll, we'll focus our attention on, given next week's opponents, was the game on Friday night. Uh, Quinn's travelling to Franklin's to take on the Phantom Saints. Obviously, Bath's next opponent being Harlequins next weekend. Uh, Tom, uh, did you see this one? If so, what did you make of Harlequins in particular, given given next week? I saw some of the highlights. Um, I mean, we should probably come to Charlie on, on the Quinn's side side of things. Um, but Qu- Quinn's are always a bit of an enigma, aren't they? Obviously, um, they looked they looked strong in the first game of the season, um, and Northampton got beat comfortably um, by the Cherry and Whites. So. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, really. Um, I think uh, Quinns will be very, very disappointed with their defence. Um, obviously, Paul Gustard prides himself on the defence, um, and, and the defence was poor in that match. Um, so, yeah, hopefully um, we can open up the, the, the defence uh, of Quinns next week. Yeah, Quinns, uh, they have never travelled well on the road, so... Uh, I think over the past, I think over the past two seasons, they may have won. I think two games on the road, which is pretty shocking. Um, uh, so it'll be it'll be tough to see uh, see how we fare against them at the stoop because they've always they they well, last season aside they had a rather poor season, but uh, it can be a, a quite 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 solid fortress for them. Uh, they are suffering quite a few injuries at the moment. I know Mike Brown's down, who's the backbone for their team. Um, also um, missing uh, missing uh, you know the various back rows Clifford um, Wallace is, is injured uh, James Hallwell is down Marlowe got pulled out uh, just yeah. before the start of that game uh, so it'll, it'll, we'll we'll see what team they put out but uh, hopefully we can we can we can you know 
get them while they're down. I think I think looking through that that Queen that Quinn's team that, that played on Friday, um, and, and as you say, there are a few injuries, particularly in the pack, Charlie. But um, you know, you looked on that team, you can really see where the the salary cap spent. Um, um, in the Queen's team. And, and, you know, it's the same point that people make about, about the Tigers as well. Um, there's a lot of focus on, on having these dynamite players out wide. And, um, and you know, you look at the likes of, of, of Danny Kerr, you know, Nathan Earl, um, Joe March, a very good player, obviously Marcus Smith. Um, and, and, you know, they're fantastic players. But I think up front, um, you know, when you've got a front row of Lambert, Elia, Elia and Will Collier, um, we should bully them. That we, we if we want to stamp our authority on... on on you know all the teams in the Premiership and play that style of play that we we've spoken about, um, we really need to demonstrate that against what's probably quite a depleted uh, Quinns pack. What, what do you reckon, Jay? Yeah, as you mentioned, obviously Quinns are a, a completely different proposition um, at Stoop. Um, but yeah, I, I was going to make a similar point to you. Obviously, Nick Autorak moved there. Um, he appears to be third choice at the moment behind uh, Marla Lambert and. Marlon Lambert. Um, so yeah, I think that is an area that we should be targeting. Our scrums looked looked good in the first week, I thought. Um, a bit here and there uh, last week. So yeah, I think that's an area we should be targeting our front five because um, I think that that is an area that, that they could be weak. But given Quinn's record um, at home, I think it will be it will be tough for us to turn them over there, um, and they'll they'll still be confident uh, after after the first week's performance at home against Sale. Um, so yeah, I'm, um, I'm positive as ever, but uh, going to, to the Stoop is a lot more difficult than having them come here. Oh yeah, certainly. And uh, home, uh, the home advantage definitely counts for something across the entire in the entire Premiership. Um, but they, as, as Thomas pointed out, they have got some exciting backs, um, the likes of, you know, uh, Magic Marcus, um, Marchant, uh, Ben Tapway, Ben Tapway, and also James Lang. Always oh, a player I really rate, a young young guy. Um, and if our defence is similar to as it was against uh, Gloucester in that first half, we don't want to let them run rings through us. Um, but as I say, hopefully we we can uh, keep up the jumper enough that uh, we can just bully them uh, with our with our pack up front, especially that that our our tight five. You know, outweighs outweighs them, you know. <laughs> well, not, not not physically in weight, but outnumbered. Well, out. yeah, yeah, and it, just um on our type five, it will be interesting to see um what type five we go with. Obviously, I think the front the front row is um, pretty much set now. But yours has played twice now for for Bath United. Um, Garvey, I don't know whether he's going to be fit. Old Stuky, um came on scored. So I think that'll be interesting to see the balance he goes with there because um, that is an area that, that I think the lads will be focusing in the week. Set piece, get that right um, and start there because um, it feels like something you'd say, Charlie, but an old adage that rugby games are one of the forwards and the backs decide just how much by. So yeah, that's an area of focus I think I think for, for Bath this week, uh, the pack and the the, um, the set piece. Yeah, and the only point I make on the, on the pack as well, I'd be surprised if, if Matt Garvey's um, turned it around and, and, and will be fit uh, for Saturday, to be honest. Um, and I, I would really like to see Elliot Stook uh, get a start. I thought he looked abrasive in defence uh, and obviously got the try as well. And obviously he's a pod favourite as well. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, the only thing I, I was going to say on the pack is, um, I think other than that, we, we should be unchanged. I would like to see Tom Ellis um, get some game time. 
Um, you know, I think he came on very briefly um, against Gloucester, uh, but we, have, we didn't see too much of him. Yeah, he only came on for 11 minutes in the Gloucester game. I'd like to see him get a good half an hour because apparently, uh, you know, Todd Blackout said he's been banging the door down to, to get a start. So uh, particularly if we want to, you know, try and bully Quinn's up front, um, I'd like to see Tom Ellis uh, come on um, in the in the sixth shirt and get some good time, game time. Oh, he's... Yeah, Come on, Charlie. Oh no, I was just gonna say he's an immensely athletic guy. Um, I think he was he's uh, got you know representational uh, honours in high jump, uh, you know, shot put uh, and eight hundred meters, I think. Uh, so he's he's uh, quite quite a talented athlete, so it'd be good to get him uh, uh, set loose around the pitch. He definitely offers a different dimension as well to to Mercer. Um, he's obviously used to be a lock. Um, Tom Ellis, so he's obviously slightly more physical. Um, okay, so should we, should we um, make some predictions uh, for the game, given that we've had a little look at Harlequins? Um, Charlie, I'll come to you first, mate. How do you see, how do you see this one panning out and then give a little um, prediction? With what we've just said in regards, especially to, to the pack, uh, I'm going to be optimistic again and uh, think we'll be able to bully them enough, keep it up the jumper, play in the right areas of the field and uh, hopefully take our opportunities. Um, so I'm going to go a Bath win by five again. Tom. Yeah, I, Quinn's, uh, as I said, probably the most difficult team in the Premiership to sort of predict how they're going to play. Um, they'll be really disappointed with that loss against Northampton. Um, you know, Northampton are a team that probably going to finish relatively low down the table and being at the stoop um you know as we've said that is a is a, is a really big home advantage for quins um however you know from a bath perspective um we really do need to be uh, beating quins um if we're going to have realistic hopes of finishing uh, top four um you know as we've as we've set up to do so um i think um we'll win relatively comfortably um i hope we put out uh, you know a pretty much an unchanged team um and i think we'll win by by 15 points Ooh. And Gabriel, yeah. is he going to make the full oh, house? I'm, um, I'm liking the sound of that, Tom. Just uh, interested to see what picture it's going to take for one of us to predict against Bath. Because so far, <laughs> it's been a clean sweep. Nine predictions out of nine. Um, yeah, I like what I'm hearing from you, Tom. Bath by 15 uh, sounds good to me. This is this is going to be the start of the um, of the juggernaut, the Bath juggernaut, led by Todd Blacker and Gervin Dempsey. So yeah, 15, 20. Something like that. I think in a couple of weeks, uh, Saracens away uh, at the end of the month. Um, that might might potentially change, but uh, well, well, we'll see. It seems like some blind optimism here. We're still yet to get a prediction right, so uh, we'll <laughs> even between all three of us. Uh, but fingers crossed, uh, we get a, yeah, a clean sweep this weekend. Um, Lastly, should we just should we just mention uh, any changes um, sort of to the starting fifteen we saw against Gloucester or indeed the twenty three? No, same. As injuries aside, uh, Garvey will probably get replaced, but otherwise, yeah, like see Stug coming in. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do at nine. Um, that's the only other one I'd say. I don't know what Chudley's situation is. I don't know what Fotley's situation is. Uh, but that's the only other position I can see us changing. I might just stick with Burns at ten. Bit of continuity there, some continuity across the team. Um, definitely won't do us any harm. No, I think we probably will see Chudley. To be honest, it sounds like he's he, he's back to fitness, um, and I'm interested to see how he how he fits in. But um, equally, it's good to see Max Max Green gets opportunities. Uh, excellent, boys. So uh, just thanks 
to everyone who's listened, especially if you listened this far um, with this audio quality, we'll all be back together soon and we'll have fixed any problems we've had. Uh, so uh, thanks, thanks for listening. Give us a review. Um, uh, whatever you're listening it would be uh, great to hear your feedback and uh, thanks for the support uh, you can find us on Twitter at Bath Rugby Plug um, and we're, we're fairly active so uh, feel free to get in touch there but uh, thanks thanks uh, Tom thanks Gabe for coming on thanks, and uh, cheers, cheers, yeah. see you next week